The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon. What's up, everybody? Eric France and Ajay Salveson. And it's the Full Court Press here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Hey, also streaming online, 1069thefan.com. And you can also subscribe to our podcast feed. We're now featured on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. So if you want to subscribe to those, probably the easiest way, just go to our our website, 1069thefan.com. Click on the podcast section. Make sure you click on new podcast, not archive. But under each audio file there, it says you can download the file if you want. Uh, but you also has a subscribe option for those that we talked about. Or just go to your favorite place and search for the Full Court Press from 1069 The Fan. We're also on the iTunes and Spotify. Yes, as I had previously mentioned. How are you, Ajay? You seem like you're off today. I already mentioned those things, and you act like I skipped over those. Um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm you good. were supposed to be whining and dining people today. I wonder if you did a little too much of one rather than the other. Yeah, I didn't get a lot of wine. I ended up having to do a lot of courting or escorting. You know, being the man is a really tough thing to do when you do it, but when you do it for two different places, that's when it becomes really, really exhausting. And I, I mean. Only two? Yeah. I'll let you guess which two I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. I'm goody. You know, we got kind of a, you know, it's always tough to dive into a topic I'm not really familiar with, even when I do a lot of studying for that said topic. And... We got a couple of them today. Uh, one, game seven. What do you know? It's Boston again. Boston in a big game, in a title game. It's it's nothing new. Um, and St. Louis Blues, NHL Stanley Cup Finals tonight. That's that should be saucy. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, we'll also get into Anthony Davis trade rumors. There's two teams. Who are those two teams and how desperate are they going to be? Uh, you've got the women's uh, USA team who not just annihilated Thailand in every way possible. A little bit too much, or, or I mean, was it, hey, you know, we're just playing our game. Uh, but let's start off, you know, Stanley Cup here. Um, yes. You know, yeah, I don't Go- care the sport. Goldberg's a great goalie. But unless Charlie Conway can score some goals and, and Portman can create some action, you know, spice it up with them some energy... Uh, then, you know, maybe you got to have the cat come in and back up, I, I think. Um, it's going to be an interesting battle. You don't even know what you're talking about. I warned you. I freaking warned no, you. No one you just mentioned plays tonight. What? Yeah, I, man. The Mighty Ducks versus Iceland. <laughs> Mighty Ducks. Uh, the, more, the, the JV team, not the weird first movie one. When I was a kid. <laughs> uh Hey, I don't care what sport it is. Game seven is worth paying attention to. Uh, a, a closeout championship game, no matter what happens, there's going to be a winner. There's going to be a champion when it goes 
final. And that's what you have tonight in the NHL. So even if you don't really follow the NHL, if you haven't been following the Stanley Cup, if you haven't been following the playoffs or paying much attention to the season overall, tonight's a game worth paying in, paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Game sevens are so fun because there's so much on the line and everybody's giving it their all because you got a couple of months to rest and recuperate. Just lay it all out there. And this has been an interesting one because St. Louis, we've talked about this a little bit before. This is a team that earlier in the year, they were, they were awful. Uh, I've mentioned this before. I was in St. Louis earlier this year. We had a chance to go. They were they, The Blues had a home game that night, and we had some free time, and we looked at, uh, hey, should we go check out the Blues? And we looked them up, and we saw that, yeah, they're kind of stinking. They don't really have a very good record. Um, I can't even remember who they were playing because it didn't seem like, well, at least we'll see another good team on the ice. So we just blew it off. We went to some Italian restaurant instead. Um, shortly after that, or it may have been in the middle of that, they started to have their turnaround, and here they are in the Stanley Cup championship. And I've been kicking myself that I didn't take that opportunity to go watch them. But you should actually, it, man. You should be right now. It's been a pretty remarkable turnaround for them. Some people are saying, look, they're just happy to be there. They're just happy with what how things turned around. They're just happy to be there. Look, you don't make it all the way to the championship if you're just happy to be there. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a team that's... Uh, they've had Boston on the ropes. They had a chance to close it out in St. Louis. Should have. And then they got wiped like 5-1 or something. And the, yeah, they just fell flat. So what's interesting tonight is you've got the Bruins who won the Stanley Cup back in 2011. They lost the Stanley They were in the Stanley Cup uh, in the 2013, and uh, had a chance to win the championship then, but lost. So they there's about, what, five or six players mm-hmm. that were on those teams that are still on the team today. Mm-hmm. So they know what it's like to win. They know also what it's like to be there but come up short. St. Louis, this is all new territory for them. See, I feel like, and I don't know how many... Let me ask you this. Do you think it changes from sport to sport when the question is asked, experience matters? So, for example, in hockey, Boston's been there, done that. I mean, they're 6-1 all-time with an opportunity to clinch the Stanley Cup. Um, that's the best record of any team in NHL history with a minimum of five chances to do so. That's according to ESPN stats and info, by the way. That was not my take. Um, but... Uh, they they played a game seven of their final series against Vancouver already, um, and that was the last game seven we've had in the Stanley Cup final. That was back in 2011. So they've been there, they've done that, they they've experienced the Stanley Cup playoffs before and the finals. As you said, St. Louis has never been there. Did, does experience matter? Or is it just like look, it's a puck. You want to hit the ice, go execute. Are you talking about how does it compare from one? Sport yeah, for to example, a like in the in basketball, would it compare? Would it be the same or similar to basketball at Game Seven? I, I think I think experience can't be understated. Mm-hmm. That's the way to put it. Uh, I, I think we saw that for the Toronto Raptors in Game Five. They, um, I, I think, if they were the experienced team that had been there before, they probably wouldn't have taken the timeouts that they did and would have closed that game out 
on their home turf. Golden State was experienced. They didn't panic, even though they lost the lead. They kept fighting and got it back and won the game. I think that in the uh, in the NFL, uh, I think that that experience matters as well. When you go into the big game, that look, yeah, there's lots of bright lights. There's more reporters than you'd ever imagine sticking microphones in your face. Yeah, there are more people asking you more ridiculous questions than you could ever dream of. <laughs> But when you've been there before, you understand how to tune it out. You understand that it, it's a it's a business decision, what you have to do and how you treat yourself and your time. Because I, I think it's it's improved in the NFL, but there were a few years there, well, quite a few years there, that you could tell when the teams arrived in town who was going to win the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. The week before it even happened, you knew the team that showed up and they got off the plane in suits and just walked to their place, got on the bus, and went to where they went to go, they were going to win. The, the Patriots team that walks like out that, yeah. with all their cameras, like, enjoy the moment. This is so cool. You know, this is so fun. Though That team lost almost every time. And you've heard stories about that. I mean, I'm sure you have, Eric, that teams that have went to back-to-back championships, the first time it was like, wow, look at this, man. This is like a spectacle for us. And then the, I mean, then they got beat soundly in that championship. Went back the next year and said, "Suit, tie, straight face. We're in the locker room. Let's get ready to go play. This is a business trip. We're here to take care of unfinished business." I think that's the case here. That's a great way to put it, Eric. Um, not to say that St. Louis has acted like that at all in any way, shape, or form. You know, you talked about the the experience and that it matters, and I do agree. I you know, I look at the Patriots last year in the AFC Championship game, and that AFC Championship game. KC, Patrick Mahomes had never been there. That defense had never been there. Tom Brady, that was like his ninth straight AFC championship game. He knew exactly what to expect. Whether it was on the road or at home, he had seen both sides of the coin. So yeah, I, it's, It was old hat. for. And, and then, I mean, to go into overtime, it was just a cool, calm, collective Brady. And, I mean, the Edelman and Gronk and, 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 and the defense had been there as well. And so it was, it was easy to handle that pressure. But, and, I mean, but a game seven, man, that's... Whew, that's a different animal, especially when you're on the road and at a place where they're used to Game 7s, they're used to Stanley Cup Finals. You know it's going to be a revved-up crowd. In a city that's used to winning. Oh, my goodness. That's a good point. Yep, title town itself. I mean, just in the last 12 months, last eight months, <laughs> they've won a World Series. What do they call the parade drought? They've won a Super Bowl, and now <laughs> they might win an NHL Stanley Cup. And did they win the World Series last year? No, Houston did. Sorry. No, the Red Sox won. They beat the the Dodgers. Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah. So what I literally just said last fall. No, you didn't. The Red Sox beat the Dodgers. That. They won no, a World Series. You said the Patriots. I said they won a World Series. Oh my! And then no, they won you the did. Super Bowl. I can't wait to go back over this audio. <laughs> yes, please do. Please do. <laughs> but here's the thing: St. Louis. We're talking about all the things about Boston, all the things they have in their favor, where it's on their ice. Yeah, we, they've got all the they've got a lot more guys with experience in yep. these situations, winning it and losing it. So they they understand the the taste of of defeat. They don't like it. They don't want it again. But there's also this team in St. Louis that just plays like they don't care. Uh, here's what's fascinating about St. Louis: they are nine and three on the road this postseason. Are they really? And their goalie, oh, man, Jordan Bennington. He's seven and two after a defeat in the postseason. They actually seem to play better on the road than they do at home. So 
St. Louis is a team that they don't care. Yeah, no they, pressure they, tonight, by the way. They play better. They, they have more, more shots on goal on the road than they do at home. They score more goals on the road than they do at home. And their goalies protect better on the road than they do at home. It's this weird dynamic for St. Louis. You know, I'd like to know what the record is for opponents on the road in a championship game, in a do-or-die championship game. So whether it was a game five or game seven, I mean, I think about when the Denver Nuggets played the Seattle Supersonics in that five-game series when, when, I mean, the Sonics were young, prime, Kendall Gill, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Dallas Shrimp, and then the Nuggets had Robert Pack, <laughs> Ronnie Rogers, Dikembe Mutombo, and then went over to Seattle and beat them after losing the first few games. It was interesting. Dan Isles, the, uh, the, the coach, said, because uh, someone asked him, you know, when you think about that, do you ever kind of just scratch your head and say, how did we win that? And he said, no, because there was absolutely no pressure on us. We shouldn't even have been there. That was supposed to be three and out, you know, three games in, three games out. Thanks for coming. You shouldn't even be here in the first place. And he said, there was absolutely zero pressure on the Nuggets going back to Seattle, like for a game five. Look, if they lose, they were supposed to. If they win, ha, we're moving on to play the Utah Jazz in the second round. And I think they, and like you said, I think the Blues kind of go into this like, look, we shouldn't even be here. All right. We got off to a sloppy start on the season, you know, got hot at the right time. We have played well on the road in the postseason. We can use that as confidence, but Boston, they have the more experience. They've been here, they've done that. And if they lose, this place might be set on fire. So uh, we can just go in and play our game, play loose. Uh, interesting information uh, about Game 7s in the NHL. Oh, you do have it. Let's hear it. In the Stanley Cup. Home teams are 12-4. and four. However, the past two home teams to host a Game 7 have lost. Was one of those Boston? That was Vancouver in 2011 and the Red Wings in 2009. Oh, really? Detroit lost a home Game 7? Really? Wow. Uh, other interesting facts, the only team, after having a 3-2 series lead and weren't able to close it out, that were able to bounce back and still win the Cup, the Toronto Maple Leafs back in 1945. Oh, man. No kidding? So here's my question. If you're St. Louis, right, Boston's going to come in there with confidence, a little bit of swag. Look, they just handled you in Game 6. All right, they went to your place and beat you. So when you go into Boston, they're going to have that confidence, that little bit of tenacity. If you're St. Louis, you, you know, you may be getting a couple of fights. Just show that, hey, we're not scared of you. We know it's your house. It's your, you know, it's, it's your title town. It's the place where, uh, you know, you're expected to be here and, and, and win this baby. But you go in there and shove some people around. Throw a couple of hooks, honestly. Well, here that's an interesting point of this game that could be really telling is how many penalties get called okay. and what is the what's the power play situation look like? Because St. Louis has not been good in power plays. Mm-hmm. They were awful in Game Six. 
Um, they were 0 for 4. They weren't able to score any goals. They, they had some a lot of shots on goal. They just couldn't convert any of them. But uh, the fewest penalties on average are called during a Game 7. And so I think that actually benefits the Blues. I would too. Yep. Because they're going to be scrappy. They're going to go after you. Because almost all of the Bruins' uh, scores, uh, a lot of their scores in this series, have all come on power play situations. Interesting. But here's something fascinating about uh, Boston and what they're what they've got going on. 21 different players have scored in the postseason for them. Uh, their goalie, Tuka Rask, when facing elimination. He's allowed only four goals with a .953 save percentage. I mean, there's a lot of talk that he could be essentially the MVP even if they lose. He has been so good through the playoffs for Boston. Uh, Only five goalies in the past 30 years have posted a better save percentage than Rask with at least 20 games played. But on the other side, it's Jordan Bennington. He's a rookie. Uh, he's been doing well, especially in uh, following losses. He's 7-2 and two after a defeat in the postseason. Uh, he shared some thoughts about preparation for tonight's Game 7. You know what? It's, it's one game, and uh, whoever wants it more will get it. And, you know, I just, just tell the boys to go for it, and I'll try to do my job when they need me. So um, that's kind of how we're preparing. For a rookie, he's been phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, man. A rookie in a game seven, too. That's, oh man, that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I mentioned what he's, how well he's done in the postseason, but including the regular season, he's 13-2 and two with a 1.83 goals against average and a .934 save percentage in games immediately following a loss. Well, he'll need it tonight. The dude bounces back fast. He'll need to bounce back because, man, they, they really did... They cost themselves that game six. They need to go back there and go into game seven. That'd be awesome, too. How about that? In Boston to lose a game seven to St. Louis? Woo. Uh, uh, um, for There are players on, on Boston's team that have been here before. Uh, as we mentioned, there's about four or five players that were on the championship team in 2011 on the team that was in it but lost in 2013. Uh, but still, you, you get to this level. It's game seven. It's winner take all. And I don't care how cool, calm, collected, or experienced you are. This this is exciting. And uh, they've got they've got some butterflies going <laughs> leading into this game. I don't know if I'd call them butterflies, but uh, definitely waking up with and realizing that you know your dreams at your fingertips and. Uh, you want to go out there and, and grab a hold of this thing. So um, you try to stick to your routine as close as possible because that's what makes you comfortable in playing a hockey game. Uh, try to convince yourself, uh, trick yourself into thinking that it's it's just another game so you can go out and play to your full potential. But um, it's right there. Let's go grab this thing. He doesn't want to call it butterflies, but it's butterflies. Yeah, it is. As it should be, man. Like, could you imagine trying to go to bed the night before you're playing a game seven for the championship? You're on the starting line, on the road, or yeah, I mean, on the road especially. I I wouldn't be able to sleep all night. Heck, I get excited about my my church ball game, 
you know, I'm getting pumped up. <laughs> uh, game seven tonight. What time does that happen? Uh, I was just looking that up. It should be on uh, NBC. And um, that will, here we go. It will be at 6 o'clock. That's what I suspected. 6 o'clock tonight on NBC. Interestingly enough, if the Golden State-Toronto series goes to 7, it'll be the first time that both the NHL and the NBA had their championship series go to 7 games since 1994. That was uh, Knicks and Rockets, right? That that was the uh, O.J. Simpson chase. I was in, in in the midst of all of that. Yeah, yeah, that was the O.J. Simpson chaser in that game, or at least one of those games was. I don't know if that was Game Seven. Might have been. Yeah, it was around that June Fourth. I, I, I was in Germany. That was weird because we'd only they'd show like they wouldn't show the full game. They'd only show highlights. They'd cut out all the free throw attempts. Really, that's great. I love that. <laughs> so it was a very uh, reduced game. I love that. But it was. You'd see that the score went up, and okay, I guess somebody shot some free throws during the break there. Huh. Uh, so anyway, uh, it's, it could be a very, very interesting week if uh, if Golden State forces a game seven. So a lot on the line tonight in the NHL. Stanley Cup will be uh, handed out. Who will be hoisting it into the air tonight in, uh, in Boston? Will it be the Bruins? Will it be the Blues? Again, it starts at 6 o'clock tonight on NBC. Coming up next here on the Full Court Press, let's talk some FIFA World Cup. The Team USA just took it to Thailand and set all kinds of records, and it also set some people a little bit, set them off on how USA was reacting to some of the goals that were scored and, and how many were scored. So I want to get your opinions on that. Was Team USA disrespectful? how they handled themselves? Or was this akin to what Team USA men's basketball did back in the early 90s with the Dream Team? And teams couldn't stop them. And you didn't want them to stop. So we'll discuss that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. I mean, I think it's disrespectful if we don't uh, show up and, and give our best and play our game for 90 minutes. It's disrespectful to um, the Thai team, and I believe they wanted us to play um, play them straight up. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson, Full Court Press, a 106.9 The Fan. Was it disrespectful that Team USA just kept scoring and were relentless in their attack after clearly it was known that the game was in hand and was it disrespectful in how they were celebrating those goals. So, here's the thing. Like, in soccer, celebrations are always going to be over the top without penalties. This isn't the NFL. This isn't the NBA. Um... You, I mean, look, they can flop as, as crazy as they want and not get fined, but they can also, um, they can also celebrate without any 
barring or, or, or lined across or anything. I don't have any problem at all whatsoever with them scoring 13 goals. If you don't like it, stop them. I remember when the 2007 Patriots were on that just incredible tear. I mean, because they got caught for Spygate. Then people said, oh, they need cameras to score points. So they said, okay, well, here's our two middle fingers. Enjoy the rest of the season. And they put up like 52 on the Redskins. They were up 42 to, what, seven in the fourth quarter with five minutes left. And on like second and three, Brady goes into shock information, so widespread and throws like a 42-yard bomb to Dante Stallworth for a touchdown. And they just didn't care. Like, they said, if you really don't like it, then stop us. Find a way to stop us. Do it within the rules of the game, but stop us. I, I totally agree with that mentality. It's, it was... Uh, Boise State became known for this. Oh, so yeah. They would rat, run oh, up these dude. high scores and All these day. big differences. And their point was, look, if you don't like it, then just stop it. And, and part of it, too, was, and I think this is what Team USA did the other day, part of it is to send a message to everybody else. Look, this is who we are. Yeah. And if you don't want that done to you, then you better bring your A game. Yeah. Because this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. And then when some teams did bring their A game and then did keep the Patriots down at 20 points or whatever it was, then, um, you know, everybody in the media would be like, oh, yeah, they found a way out. They found out a way to stop them. Here it is. You know, here they didn't run up the score. They couldn't against this defense, whatever. But the thing with soccer and in scoring 13 goals, I have no problem with that at all. Celebrating the way they did in the second half, I do have a problem with. When you scored goal number nine, goal number 10, just jog back to midfield, let's go play. Okay, you're up, you're up 10 nothing. I mean, if they're not more intimidated or, or absolutely devastated by the beating that they're getting and looking at the scoreboard after every goal, you don't need to throw it in their face even more by, you know, sliding into the dirt and just this raucous celebration. Turn around, jog back to the circle, go back to business. So there's two things at play here. People criticizing how they ran up the score and the other one about how they celebrated after some of those scores. We heard Alex Morgan earlier talking about they felt it was disrespectful to let up. They're there to play a full 90 minutes. Yeah. What do you, it, this isn't Little League. Yeah. This isn't yeah. Rec League. Yeah. It's not like, okay, guys, let's start kicking with our off foot now. Yeah. Uh, well, let's it, just play it's, keep away for the, another right, 45 minutes or whatever. Ball. Who wants to watch that? So, yeah, this is what they're there to do. They're there to play soccer and play at their highest level. Did Tylan say anything about this, by the way? Do you know if they made any comment? I don't, but to, I don't know. But to watch them... Their goalie just didn't belong on the same field. Oh, no. Not even close. She didn't know their what was team, coming at her. Dude, their whole team looked lost. Yes. But then there's the criticism about the celebrations. Okay, you're already killing these guys. Do you have to celebrate like you just won the World Cup? The, yeah, the championship. Here's <laughs> Alex Morgan uh, responding to that criticism. These are goals that we have dreamt of our entire life. I mean, I'm going to celebrate Mal Pugh's goal. I'm going to celebrate Sam Ewis and Roosevelt. This is their first World Cup, and I'm so proud of them. And so, everything, and I couldn't have dreamt of scoring five goals in a World Cup. Um, so it's, you know, it's incredible for us all, and um, I'm happy just ignoring those comments. Here's the thing, though. Like, and, and I know this is a totally different sport and maybe a different mentality because it's back in the day. 
But do you remember like the 92 Dream Team? When they were just throttling pe- teams by 54 points, oh, it was, 48 it was points. Jordan such a would, whole other level. When, when Jordan would get a breakaway dunk, he'd jam it and then jog back. When Stockton made a great bounce pass 45 feet away to a cutting Clyde Drexler on the other end, it was Clyde points at John, John points at Clyde to get back on defense. No one's high-fiving. And in fact, the bench, I mean, they just, I mean, it's like a golf clap from them. They, they just realized... They were there to do a job, and that's, I mean, when someone scores a bucket, that's exactly what they're expected to do. Here's the thing. USA, you're, you are the favorite. You're not an underdog. You're not picked to finish at the bottom of the group. You're picked to win it. You're favorites. That, that, and so that necessarily sure. wasn't a surprise win. No, 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 especially this one. Now, um, it's, so yeah, it, it's great to score five goals, Alex Morgan, absolutely. But understand who you're doing it against. I mean, now, if it's the World Cup championship and you score five goals, be elated. Absolutely. Be thrilled. But it's the first game. Uh, the, other, the thing that, to keep in mind here with the World Cup, there is a point differential that, that matters. Not just what you score, but how many you score and by what margin you win by. And, and so if you score, you're up seven and all of a sudden you hold off and you pull up the brakes... Um, and then uh, you start to just play with your off foot, you <laughs> know, just play keep away all the for the rest of the time. It could be that another team plays Thailand and they don't have that same mentality. So you scored six, seven, eight goals against them, but then another team says, Oh, you did eight. Okay, we're going to go out and score 10. So now all of a sudden, they're they are ahead of you in the standings. So I, I don't have any problem with them scoring the goals. Um, I don't have a problem with them being excited about scoring the goals. When you've scored like five goals in just five minutes or 10 minutes or so, then you don't need to act like you just won the championship on every goal. I, I get it. It's the World Cup. You score the goal in the World Cup. That is exciting. But when you've scored so many already... Act like you've been there before. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and, and when your friends do score a goal, it's wonderful. But just give them a high five and a hug and, and get back to the circle. I mean, it's, it's, it's 12 nothing, 13 nothing. There's just no need. Great point just made by Kenny Main. Do you recognize that yes. name? Yes. Sports Center ESPN person. Love his Main Street show. Uh, he just tweeted out just a few moments ago, when the last defensive end stops dancing over half a sack when down 41-3, to or the last 11th man ceases to shimmy off a free dunk in garbage time. When those and 25 more things happen, a discussion about the U.S. soccer players being happy for their goals should still not begin. Huh. It's a great point. Yeah. It's a great, great point. Uh, but here, I want to get to, I want to move aside from the criticism and recognize the greatness of what did happen for Team USA. Okay. This, this was a phenomenal game. Multiple records were set. And this actually gets to my stat that blew my mind. Um, There were more goals scored by the U.S. women's national team in that game than 19 different countries have ever scored in their Women's World Cup history. More, Let me say that again. More goals scored in that one game than 19 different countries have ever scored in their Women's World Cup history. That the most goals scored in a single game in the history of the World Cup. Uh, there were five goals in the final 12 minutes. No goals in the first 12 minutes. 
Uh, Alex Morgan scored five goals herself. Uh, and then here's another one. The men's national team. It took them 6,202 days to score 13 World Cup wow. goals. Dude, our men's team is just garbage. Our men's team's so bad. They could take a few lessons from the women's soccer team. The U.S. women's national team scored as many points as New England did in the Super Bowl. Wow. I, I, I'd have no problem with their the, the point differential with them scoring points. Thailand, one of the other things we don't have from Alex Morgan is one of the things that she did say is, why aren't people criticizing Thailand for not having a, a better program yeah, to have sure. better athletes and they take yeah. their sport more seriously? Why aren't people criticizing them for not showing, being more respectful to the game? They're out there just trying to to show what they can do and showcase the sport and showcase their own talents. I have no problem with that at all. Yeah. No, Way to you. go, U.S. Women's National Team. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, great. Go score another 13. I don't know if they'll score another 13 goals again. If they do, great. But just, you've been there. Well, and they were the last team to really play. All these other teams have been playing throughout the weekend. And so, they've all this pent-up energy. They're seeing all these other teams play. They're They're itching to get on the field and do something. Will that happen again? Who knows? But what it does show and what it puts the rest of the Women's World Cup on notice is that Team USA is for real and they mean business. I, you know, I think every other team watched them play Taiwan and thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> they, I can only imagine the look on their faces watching Team USA. Just, I don't care who it is. That, I mean, 13 goals is 13 goals in a soccer game. That's, that's incredible. Uh, I worked in my stat that blew my mind. Did you have one? We didn't get to it yesterday. We had a, a big show talking about a lot of other things. Oh, man, there is a ton of things going on. But uh, I was able to work in the stat that blew my mind into that. I don't know if you've got yours. We can throw that in there. I did on a piece of paper, then I threw it away. Gosh, dang it. Um, there was something. And, and again, I'm going to give credit to ESPN Stats and Info because they had something on uh, Steph Curry that amazed me. And I know Steph Curry is, is this amazing basketball player. Everyone understands it. But it's just it's the way he does it. Game in and game out, that just blows my mind. Um, oh, where did it go? Why don't we do okay, this? Okay, there it is. Sorry. So in game five okay. was the fourth time between Steph Curry and Klay Thompson that they both hit five three-pointers in the same NBA Finals game as the teammates. No other duo has done so more than once. And that, that duo has done it five times? Uh, four times. Four, four times. times. In the NBA Finals, man. <laughs> wow. Where <laughs> both of them hit five three-point three shots or more. Yep. Wow. Dude, how do you stop them? Like, I mean, I mean, honestly, like, you take their legs, you take their arm, you take their eyeballs, and <laughs> they still find a way to, like, nah, we're not dead yet. We'll see you for game six at Oracle. That's going to be fun tomorrow night, by the way. That's going to be a blast. I can't wait to preview that game tomorrow. You know what? If Golden State is is smart, what they need to do is have somebody in the hospital room with Kevin Durant <laughs> give a message to the crowd the last game at Oracle oh, Arena. Oh, man. That would be nuts. Everybody will just lose their mind. <laughs> by the way, did you see Drake walking off the court? 
acting like he had like played 42 minutes and went 10 to 12 from the field or something, all devastated. <laughs> he's like shaking somebody's hand and he's all upset. And I'm like, dude, you don't even play. <laughs> oh my gosh. He does expend a lot of energy on the sidelines. You didn't see Al like when he was walking away from a game like, oh man, can't believe we just lost. I played like zero minutes, didn't score any points, but gosh dang it, I can't believe it. I sure talked a lot into that mic. I, 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 I gave my all though for you guys. <laughs> Jeez. And coming up next on the Full Court Press, we need to get into the our player of the week. And... Uh, yeah, man, there's still so much more that's going on to discuss. Uh, the the latest details with Kevin Durant, uh, is he has uh, made it official. He released the details today uh, and what that might uh, indicate going forward. And uh, some teams are becoming to become more clear uh, who's really in the running to get Anthony Davis and what they may be willing to offer to get him. So we'll discuss that coming up next on the Full Court Press. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, IJ Salveson. Talking about what's going on in sports on a Wednesday. You got Game 7 of the NHL Stanley Cup, 6 o'clock tonight on NBC. Game six of the NBA Finals will be tomorrow. That game will be in Oakland. The last game, the definitive last game in Oracle Arena. And uh, I heard that the aftermarket for courtside seats. Oh, I don't even want to know. Is already at about sixty grand. Yeah, sounds about right. People know it's the last raw there in that arena, and maybe the last raw for the Warriors as they are currently constituted. Um, Jeez, you having trouble, sir? <laughs> sorry, this is a weird chair. All right. Um, the Let's get into our player of the week real quick yeah, before we get into these the trade talks in the NBA. As Absolutely. To heat up. I, I know the theory behind this whole thing that we do is to look at the week prior and highlight somebody that did something outstanding the previous week. I'm going to cheat. I, I just, the game that Alex Morgan had yesterday was phenomenal. And she, I, I have to give her my player of the week. Even, it, even though it happened this week, I, I didn't want to wait until next week to talk about it and, and, and laud what she did in that uh, phenomenal game in the uh, FIFA Women's World Cup against Thailand. Five goals scored by one person. In soccer, that's incredible. And uh, she certainly needs to be recognized for what she did. So you, she is my player of the week. That's a great player of the week. Mine's going to be Vander, uh, Vanderbilt's pitcher, Kumar Rocker. Uh, with uh, Duke leading the Super Regional one game to zero and looking to trying to seal their fate and uh, punch her ticket to the Carl Drew Series. For the first time in school history, Kumar Rocker had other ideas. He ends up going out there and getting 27 outs straight, which means he what? threw a no-hitter. That's right. That's Vanderbilt's first no-hitter since 1971, and that gave him the chance to play in Game 3, which, by the way, dominated Duke in Game 3. I mean, just flattened him. Duke was out of pitching. Vanderbilt had yet to use another starter because... 
and, and their bullpen was fresh because of, of Kumar Rocker hitting up uh, recording all 27s out, 27 outs. Just something so incredibly impressive. To do that in Division One baseball is amazing. To do that in Division One baseball in the Super Regional with a call for a series spot on the line is absolutely mind-numbing. In fact, he finished with 19 strikeouts. That broke, by the way, our David Price, our very own David Price's uh, program record for strikeouts in an NCAA tournament game. Uh, it's also two more strikeouts than the Major League record in a no-hitter, according to ESPN Stats and Info. Uh, just something awesome. And, and you know what? What's crazy is of his 19 strikeouts, 16 of them came via a breaking ball. 15 of those were the changeup that they couldn't hit. 15 strikeouts on a changeup. Wow. Like at some point as a manager, you go to your team and say, look, it's a changeup coming. Just like, don't swing at it because it's in the dirt. In fact, all three of his strikeouts were changeups in the ninth inning. Because he knew they couldn't touch it, but they kept swinging at it. That's amazing. He, uh, Good for him. Um, I mean, he'll probably enter next year's draft. I'm guessing he'll be at least a top 15 pick. I uh, would be surprised if he isn't. In fact, a couple other baseball scouts say the same thing. So, Kamar Rockers, my po- David Price player of the week. <laughs> That's appropriate. From Yes, it is. Baseball. Yes. All right, uh, we're, we're going to call our last time out here on the Full Court Press, and when we come back, a couple of teams, two notable teams, uh, seem to have emerged as the most aggressive in trying to get Anthony Davis in their roster uh, or in one of their jerseys. Uh, they're not necessarily working together. They're working against each other. Uh, the, the Pelicans have said that they're interested in a, potentially a multi-team trade, uh, to get uh, Anthony Davis on the move. We'll talk about who the players are and who may be on the line. Coming up next on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. NBA playoffs continue tomorrow. Game Six in Oracle Arena, and uh, can the can the Raptors close it out, or will <clears throat> Golden State extend the series for one more game? Uh, but the, beyond that, there's the those two teams are definitely very engaged and interested in what's going on with actually playing the game. All other teams are engaged in trying to figure out what they're going to look like next year. And uh, particularly, seems to be a lot of commotion with the Los Angeles Lakers and the Boston Celtics as they continue to engage with the New Orleans Pelicans to try to land the biggest offseason prize via trade in Anthony Davis. And uh, the uh, uh, David Griffin, the... Uh, Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations for New Orleans, really wants to get a deal done before the NBA draft, which is next Thursday. So the Lakers, because of the uh, NBA draft lottery, are now a legitimate player in trying to get Anthony Davis over to their side. Mm. Um. And the, the report love, is... Go ahead. Go I was ahead. just going to say the report about who they're offering. The report is that uh, it'll include Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. Wow. 
the Lakers are trying to hold on to Kuzma, but they may have to There's give no him way. up yeah. in order to get Davis. Dude, I would, I would absolutely see no way. If they give Davis up without getting Kuzma back, they got robbed. That might be the most highway robbery trade since either Pau Gasol going from Memphis to L.A. or, um, or Herschel Walker going to the Vikings for like seven picks and ended up being all Hall of Famers for the Cowboys. It's, it's amazing that Kuzma is not being pushed more. And maybe he is. But from the sounds of that, that he's just like an afterthought, if you will, of like, you know, let's just... And why Lonzo Ball? Is he really that... If I'm Lakers, I'm happy to get rid of him. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, but why I'm, would you want Lonzo Ball but right But if I'm now, New Orleans, man? like, ah, you keep that Lonzo guy. Way, I want You Kyle. get Lonzo, you get LeVar. So good luck with that. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, I think it's interesting that, that Los Angeles seems to be taking a different approach this go-around because, you know, what was going on prior to the trade deadline in the middle of the season, they seemed like they were willing to throw almost everything and the kitchen sink to get uh, to get Anthony Davis during the regular season. But we later learned that New Orleans was never really going to make that deal. They just were playing with them. Well, what else can you give me? Well, what else can you give me? What else can you throw in? Yeah. And, and they just wanted yeah. to create a toxic culture in yeah. Los Angeles. No. Now, I agree. Los Angeles has made some changes. Magic Johnson's no longer part of the picture. <laughs> but they still know that L.A. is one of the desired destinations for Davis. And so I think that because they know that, they know he really wants to come to L.A. So I think they're they're trying to be a little more coy about what they give up and what they're willing to offer. Sure. But again, for now, New Orleans holds the cards. So they can say, well, look, if you're not going to give us Kuzma, we're not going to give you Davis. And we'll just hold on to it for another year. True. Yeah. And, and you can suffer for another year with LeBron, JaVale McGee, Rajah Rondo, uh, Brandon Ingram, uh, just in, in that wonderfully talented Hall of Fame core. You would have to, you would have to understand that if you don't give them what you want, you're going to be waiting for another year of this. And by then, who knows what's going to happen? You know, things can change pretty quickly. A um, couple other teams that have shown interest, Brooklyn Nets, LA Clippers uh, have shown interest, but according to a report on ESPN, neither team really seems to be gaining traction. Okay, and I can see the Clippers getting Kawhi. So, I mean, they won't get Anthony Davis, but they get Kawhi um, if he decides to go. I, I imagine that's kind of where he wants to go, which really kind of surprised. I mean, for how quiet he has been and he seems to continue to be, I don't know why you want to go to LA, man. I mean, Toronto's pretty just out there. You know, people don't really go to Canada to market you. Sorry, Canada, but it's just how it is. Um, well, the other team that is interested, as we've talked about before, in Anthony Davis is Boston. Although, Anthony Davis's agent apparently has made it pretty clear that oh, yeah, he's a one-year rental. He would only be there one year. Yeah. He, sure, you can trade for him, but he's going to leave. <laughs> and so are you willing to give agent. up everything you got just for him for one year? But I guess Boston is still willing to try to make some things happen. So here's him. the question is, what would it take? Because if I'm New Orleans, I'm more greedy with Boston than I would be with L.A. Like, all right, well, you want to get, I mean, you want him for one year? Okay, so here's what I mean. I'm. They got picks. They've got players, 
And if you're dumb, you give up Jason Tatum. Hopefully they're a little bit smarter than that, but that's no guarantee. But you put, you make them, you force them to put Jason Tatum in that package or else you say no go. And I can tell you right now, Boston wants and needs Anthony Davis because they cannot handle Giannis from Milwaukee or Kawhi or Marcus Gasol from Toronto. Well, I think there's also this hope that if they get Anthony Davis, they can somehow get Kyrie Irving. To I stick don't think around. that's going to happen. I don't. Mean, man, that'd be tough sell. Anyways, I think I think Kyrie's already checked out. Man, you get if you're Kyrie Irving and you get a chance to play alongside Anthony Davis. Dude, he's done with Boston. He is done with Boston. Game five said it all. That closeout game where he was hucking up whatever he felt good, which was anything when he touched the ball. Yeah. Hey, I was looking at some of this stuff. Um, Tony Jones, who does an incredible job on uh, on Twitter, uh, was, I mean, there's been a lot of questions about Mike Conley or D'Angelo Russell. Um, and, oh my gosh. I got to show you that. While, while I'm talking about this, you got to read that. Uh, anyways, it, there's been a question about, uh, you know, Conley or D'Angelo Russell. And, and, and let, me, let me ask you something. Conley's older, a little bit more mileage on him, but man, he's got a great veteran experience. And Tony is so adamant that with Conley, they'd be a better basketball team. I mean, they're a 50 to 52 win second round roster right now. But with him, they can even maybe, maybe push for the conference finals. What are your thoughts, Eric? Um, I, I know we got sixty seconds, so let's yeah, take up the Connelly, rest. Yeah, uh, I'd like to see Connolly in a Jazz uniform. I think he's a great uh, point guard, one of the best in the league. He's proven. He, he knows how to score. He knows how to distribute. He, he knows how to make the guys around you better. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, young, up and coming. I, I think there's the promise that. You could have a, a great young tandem for quite a long time, but uh, I think it also depends on what's what's the price, what's the price to pay. Uh, ultimately, that comes down to it. Uh, if you can get a young uh, Russell for for cheaper and longer term, maybe you take that. Yeah, but I, I don't think that people should just automatically write off Mike Connolly as a possibility. I think he definitely would help the Jazz. I'd be okay strong with Strong interest to have him, and I'd, I'd be happy to have Connolly in a Jazz uni. You have to give up favors. Just everyone be aware. Favors is gone if that happens. Probably. So That's going to do it for us tonight. Have a great night, Good everybody. Night. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. We knew the U.S. women's soccer team was going to be good. They're the defending champs and the favorites entering the tournament. But their 13 to nothing win over Thailand in their first World Cup match was a statement. It was the biggest margin of victory in World Cup history. For some, it was too much. For others, it was the first step into what could become a special run. The star on Tuesday was a familiar face, Alex Morgan, scoring five goals in the match. She was joined by other veterans like Megan Rapino and Carly Lloyd in the goal-scoring parade. If you weren't excited about the World Cup before Tuesday, hopefully America's record win will get you engaged. With the NHL and NBA coming to an end very soon, soccer will take center stage. And sure, not every match is going to be Thailand. That's fine. Because it doesn't matter who they're playing. This United States soccer team is going to be a whole lot of fun over the next couple of weeks. Maybe not so for the rest of the world. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.